Welcome to the Workless System Podcast, where we help entrepreneurs make more and work less using systems. And I'm your host, Josh Fonger. And today, you're in for a treat. I had the pleasure of interviewing one of my friends, uh, Tan, over at Asian Efficiency, where they teach entrepreneurs all about being efficient. Uh, it's just a great place to find a ton of information. And I got to pick his brain for about an hour and you're going to learn a ton on this interview. You're going to learn about how to get more focused, how to get more efficient, certainly. Uh, time blocking, boundaries, energy levels, sleep, uh, skill training, cross training, uh, getting your team more efficient. Just so many topics that we covered. So um, stay tuned, listen, and take notes. I certainly did. All right. Hello, this is Josh Fonger, and welcome to the WTS podcast, where we help business owners move from owning a job to owning a business. Uh, mastering the systems so they can simplify growth. And today I have a special guest. I have Tan Pham with Asian Efficiency. And Tan has started one of the leading productivity companies in the world. He helps people save time, gives them the fastest path to what matters most. His work has been featured in Forbes, Fast Company, uh, The Globe and Mail, and many other publications where people refer to him as the productivity expert of today's generation. All right. So, Tan. Let's start from the beginning. Let's start about, you know, how, you know, what's your story? How did you start Asian Efficiency? What got you into this line of work? And uh, why don't you, you know, let our audience know about that? Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And I'm super excited to be here because I've been a big fan of Work the System. I met Sam Carpenter, met you in person as well. And we got along really well. And I've always liked to align myself with people who think in very similar ways. And that's, I was growing up, I was looked at things and I would always break things down and see how they were interconnected and how changing one thing would affect another thing. And it wasn't until I read Work the System when I realized, oh, this is actually called systems thinking. This is actually what that is. Mm -hmm. And then when I read that book and then started to see how that applied to business, I was really curious to see if I could apply that to my own life as well, because I've always been in that sort of mode. So as I was growing up, I wanted to always be on time for things. I wanted to be efficient. I wanted to be effective. And it's always been a very big passion of mine. And people have always asked me, hey, Tan, I love how you are you know, so organized and due diligent on everything. Like, how can I be like you? And for that reason, I just started a blog in 2011 and just wanted to share information with others of how I do certain things and how I looked at things and thought about things. And it was really just for friends and family. And I just kept writing a blog post every single week. And then over time, it just grew into something that had a life of its own. And people started following the blog. And it was just kind of a passion project, honestly, because it was just something I was just super passionate about. Mm -hmm. And from there, people just kept coming and coming. I mean, we had a huge audience. And they just kept asking us, hey, you know, I would love to work with you one-on-one. -on -one or do some sort of coaching, or do you have any programs that I can join? And that's when a light bulb moment went off and I said, oh, you know what? I can actually turn this passion into a business. Mm -hmm. And then ever since then, a year and a half later, it turned into a full-time business. Wow, that's a great story. And for those of you who don't know, I've been following Asian Efficiency for years. They've got, I mean, amazing content, amazing programs. And if I want to find a way to become more efficient or get some ideas, it's great. It's a gold mine. I mean, there's tons of resources there. So. Uh, let's try to dive into some of the uh, problems that entrepreneurs have with efficiency. Let's start with inefficiency. So what would you say, I mean, in your expert opinion, 
uh, are the main causes in inefficiency? Like what, what is that? Yeah, as an entrepreneur, you have to deal with a lot of different things, especially when you're starting off, you're trying to take your business off the ground and there's probably 15 different opportunities in front of you. And as you start to grow and run your business, there's so many options available to you that sometimes you don't really know what you're doing and if you are confident enough to go into the right direction. And I think one of the biggest inefficiencies that I see people have is that they don't really have clarity around where they want to take their business. Because if you don't have any clarity around where you want to go next, it's kind of difficult to prioritize and pick and choose the opportunities you have in front of you. And the worst thing you can do is to optimize and make something systemized and efficient when one, it shouldn't be done at all. And two, if you're going in the wrong direction. And so as you start to grow your business, you start to realize more and more, and I've learned this myself, Clarity is really everything. The more clear you get about where you want to go, what your numbers should look like, what your destination really is, then becomes very apparent and easy to then decide this is the next step forward. So then you become more effective, which is really the first thing I really want people to focus on is become effective first so that you become efficient at the thing that you're most effective at. Because there's nothing worse than running in the wrong direction enthusiastically, as uh, Keith Cunningham likes to call it. So I like to make sure that uh, whenever I work with people or people come to our website and they're looking to become more productive, the first thing is really figuring out, okay, are you going in the right direction? And if you're not, you know, how do we figure out first what the destination is? Uh-huh. Perfect. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that there's so many choices. As an entrepreneur, you have tons of freedom, lots of choices. and Picking the wrong choices and getting better at them is not productive <laughs> um, because you're, you're doing things, you're doing lots of things, but you're doing the wrong things. And so, so you got to pick the right course first. Okay, that's good. So then um, moving beyond that, what you know, you've picked the right things to do. How do you get more efficient when you've already chosen the right things to do? Let's say you've decided this is where my business is going to go. I know these are the things that need to happen. What would you guide them towards next in terms of being productive? I think one of the most essential skills that one can learn is really how to focus. And it sounds like it's such a simple concept, uh-huh. but in today's world, we're just distracted by everything. Our environment is not really set up to be productive. We have phone calls, we have text messages, we have email notifications, we have people walking in, we have people just requiring our attention. And if you work from home, you might even have the TV or there's Right now, a major sporting event going on and you might be thinking, oh, you know, I wish I could do that. So there's all these things going on around you that is pulling you away from really focusing on what you should do. Uh And Carol Newport calls it deep work. Can you actually focus for long stretches of time on something that really matters to you? So if you have that clarity and you have that level of focus, you can combine the two, even if it's just for one hour a day. One hour of uninterrupted focus time is, I think, so valuable. And if you talk to any entrepreneur, as you know, just focusing uninterrupted for an hour seems like a challenge for most people. Would mm-hmm. you agree? Oh yeah, definitely. It's, it's a huge, huge issue. So knowing that focus is that important, how would an entrepreneur get focus or get more focus than they are right now? So the one thing that I usually tell my clients to do is what we call time blocking. It's a very simple idea is to say, okay, let's say you have one task that you need to finish that day, right? We call it eating your frog. Like the one thing you have to do that day to make sure that everything else can be pushed aside. But if you completed just one thing, 
you would have a successful day. Now, if you know what that is, what I would recommend is that you put it on your calendar and you dedicate it to just for one hour. Or if you can't even commit to one hour, 30 minutes. But if you just put it on the calendar and let everybody else know, hey, I'm going to be focused. I'm going to be doing work during this time. Please do not interrupt me. Turn off your phone, turn off your apps, turn off everything and just focus for 30 minutes for that one particular task. If you do that every single day, you'll be way more productive than you were compared to last week or somebody else who is not time blocking whatsoever. Mm -hmm. If you can just make that commitment for just 30 minutes, and ideally really now, but 30 minutes is really the minimum, you'll start to see that if you get to the finish line of that, you feel more confidence. Even if you didn't finish the task, you have this momentum and then you're only committed to 30 minutes. And it's this weird trick that we do to ourselves where if we say that we have an excuse to stop after 30 minutes, what usually ends up happening is you start to work on it and then the timer goes off or 30 minutes is up and you say to yourself, man, I wish I had more time. And you actually have this momentum and now you're willing to push forward. And it's that level of confidence and momentum really that people are seeking. And if you can get that every single day, well, guess what? Compounding that over time, you're going to be extremely value-oriented and results-oriented. Huh. That's great. Yeah, I totally, totally agree. Right before this call, there's a guy I'm working with right now, one of my coaching clients, and he's trying to switch CRM systems. I'm sure you have a recommendation on that. So he's got one system, he's trying to switch to another one, and he's been thinking about it for over a year and never could get it done. And that's, that's kind of a, a big deal. You got to run two systems parallel. You got to make sure that they're working, the bugs are out of it. What we did is we broke it out into all the pieces and we said, okay, we're going to block out two hours on Tuesday, two hours on Thursday. And this is what's going to happen each week. And yeah, it's going to take a series of weeks, but it'll actually get done now instead of just someday this will get done. Maybe, you know, a year later, nothing actually happened. And it's all because of the time block. You, you can't do difficult things that require focus without uninterrupted time. There's just no way around it. Yeah. 100%. So, so let's say, so you need to focus, but obviously people are working in reality, right? In the, I would say half the folks who are listening to this work remote. So they're working from home, coffee shops, traveling, working. The other half are working in standard businesses. What are some standard environmental issues that come up and how do people fight against those issues when they want to get focused work done? Yeah. If you work in say a coffee shop or you work from home, there's probably a lot of control that you have in terms of how you get interrupted, right? Especially if you work from home, like I do, um, especially since I live by myself, there's nobody really here to interrupt me. So I have lots of control, but then I have tons of clients who, let's say, work in an office setting and they have people coming in all the time. And that makes, that makes the situation a lot more challenging and difficult. And how do you cope with that? And what I've found is that it really comes down to expectations and setting those expectations and boundaries so that other people know what they are. Because if other people don't know that you're trying to focus every single morning, it's hard for them to then you know, meet your expectations. So if, if Sally doesn't know that you like to focus between nine and 10 o'clock in the morning, well, guess what? She might come in anytime and not feel like she's doing anything wrong to, to come in and say, hey, do you have a minute at 9.45, mm-hmm. right? So we wanna make sure that if you dedicate to say, hey, I want to have this uninterrupted time. Let's make sure that all the people around you know that as well, whether that's your significant other, whether that's your kids, whether that's your coworkers, your, your boss, your manager, um, anybody that you frequently work with, 
they should know what your expectations are and what your hours are as well. And a lot of times what we end up doing is introducing office hours for people to be able to say, hey, you know what, guys, I would love to be able to give you feedback and coach you and help you out. Uh, in exchange, what I'd need from you guys is to be able to say, hey, please don't interrupt me between 9 and 10 in the morning because that's when I'm trying to do some focus work. Mm -hmm. Any other part of the day, feel free to come in. Once you just start with that, then you can slowly increase your uninterrupted hours over time. And people understand, hey, you know, um, if, if Bob is focusing right now between 9 and 10, let's make sure we don't interrupt him, but let's just wait until like 1030 or so so that we can get to him. So it really comes down to just setting those boundaries and expectations. Mm -hmm. I love that. I think that's a lot of great gems in there. Hopefully everyone got it. It was one, you do have more control than you think. So take control. Don't be a victim of people, people and things sucking your time. People want to know how to relate to you. So if you give them the boundaries, you communicate that with them, then they'll, they'll stay in those boundaries. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. But they have to be spoken. They have to be written. They have to be visible, whatever it might be on your door. But once they know, they'll stick to it and you can get way more things done. I think a lot of folks, they just, they feel a victim to circumstance, to emergencies, to their cell phone, to the buzz, to the ring. And they need to, to kind of flip their paradigm and say, actually, I'm 100% control of, of what I do. Anything I do, you know, it's, it's a, <laughs> I'm the one sabotaging myself. That's a really important concept. And that's why I tell people all the time. The mornings is when you have the most control in your day. Because mm -hmm. when you think about it, as soon as you walk into the office or as soon as you start work or even before then, that's when you really have the most control. After a certain hour or as the day goes by, things become unpredictable. Emergencies come up, people walk in, stuff happens all the time. And so there's less control as the day goes on until you get home and everybody else is asleep. That's when you kind of have control over your environment again. Uh -huh. So usually what I tell people is if you know exactly what your number one task is, always do it in the morning because that's the time when you, one, not only have the most energy and focus, but also two, you have the most control of your environment. Mm -hmm. And that's when you can combine, when you combine those two, you have so much leverage that if you just do the most important thing every single day, first thing in the day, in the morning, do that every single day, you're going to be so much more productive than anybody else. So. Let's, uh, let's dive into energy levels a little bit. So you mentioned energy levels in the morning. And before I met Sam, it was like eight years ago, he was talking about biological prime time, mechanical prime time, and this whole thing with energy levels. And you probably have a similar take on it. How do folks find out when their energy levels are and what, what should they do to maximize energy? Yeah, so I'm a big believer in that. And everybody has like a certain cycle throughout the day that they're most focused and energized and the way you really measure that is, in my opinion, is to keep a log every single, let's say, 30 minutes or so. And if you do that for a couple of days, you'll see patterns over time. Uh -huh. um, so one thing I used to do when I first started doing this was I literally had an app remind me every 30 minutes and I would note down on the scale of one to five how I felt. Huh. And I would just do that for three days in a row. And then you start to see, oh, you know, I scored the highest in the mornings. Mm -hmm. And it was just a systematic way of keeping track of something. And it was very data driven. And as, as you know, something that can be measured, you know, can be improved. Mm -hmm. So once I knew that, I called it the, I call it the hotspot. I knew between six in the morning and anywhere between like 11 and 12 till lunchtime or so was like my prime time. That's uh -huh. the time when I'm most focused. And 
over the years, I've tried so many different things when it comes to improving your energy and whether it was like diet, whether it was exercise, whether it was sleep, whether it was all these other different things like coffee, tea, supplements, whatever you want to call it. I think the easiest thing to address and the most powerful is actually sleep. The better quality sleep you have, the more you sleep, the more energy you have throughout the rest of the day. So when I work with clients, and what's interesting about sleep is that if you don't get enough of it, it manifests in different ways. So to give an example, a lot of times people come to us and they procrastinate or they don't feel very motivated to do certain things. And when you really dig deep and you find the root cause of it, it's not because they're unmotivated or that they're bad people or that they feel guilty or something. What it really comes down to oftentimes is that they don't have the energy to do it. When you don't have the energy to do certain things, you can have all the time in the world. You could have five hours of uninterrupted time. If you don't have the energy, there's nothing that's going to be done. And so one of the first things I always like to look at is what's their sleeping pattern like? Are they getting enough sleep? Well, it's no surprise that when they get three to four hours of sleep every single night that they're procrastinating, that they feel unmotivated to do certain mm-hmm. things. And so addressing the sleep first and having more energy usually resolves a lot of the motivation and procrastination issues that people sometimes talk about. Getting your sleep in order, oftentimes like changing even the pillow or the mattress, like those are very simple things you can do and that you can, you know, kind of like invest money in to help you sleep better. You'll start to notice right away that uh, your energy goes up. So I'm interested now, what is the, um, you know, what are the hacks or the simple things if someone's like, hey, you know, I'm sleeping pretty good, you know, six, seven hours a night. What would you do to get them to sleep more or better? You know, what advice would you give? Yeah, there's a couple of things I would recommend. Uh, some quick hacks or tools that you can use is uh, turn off all monitors or screens mm-hmm. an hour before you go to sleep or before you plan to go to sleep. Okay. A lot of the blue lighting kind of prevents the melatonin in our body from getting produced. Okay. So, because uh, melatonin is essentially the thing that kind of like signals to our body to say, hey, we should go to sleep. Now, for some people, that's not realistic. The other way to work around it is, I'm sure you've seen those like orange glasses that people wear. Mm-hmm. So I have, I have a pair here somewhere that I like to use um, by this brand called Gunner. Okay. Um, they don't look that ridiculous. They actually look like normal glasses and you can actually walk out and people would never know. <laughs> so that's a great brand. So that's the first thing. Mm-hmm. The second thing is actually lower the temperature of your bedroom. So okay. the colder it is, the better quality of sleep you will get. And if you have a significant other or a partner, they might hate you <laughs> for doing this, uh, but it is scientifically proven that you do sleep better. And the temperature we're really looking for is below 68 degrees. Below 68. Okay. Yeah. So if you can get it below 68, anywhere between 60 and 68 will be fine. Uh-huh. It really just depends how, how cold it is for you. But over time, you'll be fine. Um, <laughs> so sleeping in terms of like improving the lighting and just lowering the temperature will be one of the easiest things you can do to improve your quality of sleep. Okay. So you get the sleep right, you want high energy, and then it's got to, I think you guys talk about morning routines too. Like, is there a routine that really sets you up for productivity in the morning? Yeah, we are big fans of having a morning routine or as we like to call it a morning ritual. And it's the okay. whole idea of the way you start your day sets the tone for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you've had this experience and many people listening here as well. Maybe you go to work and somebody cuts you off on the freeway and you get all triggered and mm-hmm. 
get all anxious and you're mad and angry and, and that might carry over for two or three hours or even the whole day, right? So one negative thought can spiral out of control for the rest of the day. So what we want to do is take control of our thoughts and our mood as much as we can in the morning so that we set ourselves up for a successful day. So what if you wake up every single day, you slept well, you feel energized, you don't feel groggy, but you actually feel energized. And then you have a morning routine, or as we like to call it, a morning ritual in place for you know, 30, 45 minutes or so that kind of walks you through to be in a positive mood, to feel high energy, to have a positive outlook. Mm-hmm. If you start your day like that every single day, well, guess what? Starting a task that might seem difficult won't seem that difficult anymore. Now you have the motivation, the energy to do whatever you need to do. You don't you know, snap back at people or people actually will look at you and say, hey, why are you happy and smiling all the time? Well, it's because you set yourself up for it that kind of day every single morning. So just investing 30 to 45 minutes in a good morning ritual can have dividends throughout the rest of the day. Hmm. Now, is there any kind of... Uh I'm getting into the details here, but I'm, I'm curious for myself, any kind of certain kind of drink or food that helps with this in the morning? Because I've heard, you know, uh, fast in the morning or drink this or eat that. And what is the science saying now? Yeah, when it comes to drinking, honestly, caffeine will always help. Okay. <laughs> so having your favorite coffee, or in my case, I'm a big tea drinker, is, okay. is, is good. Uh, so I'm a big fan of green tea because uh-huh. it's, it has the caffeine and it also has this ingredient called L-theanine. Okay. And what it does, and which is a natural component, so you don't have to worry about anything artificial or anything. But uh, basically what it does, is it kind of slowly releases the caffeine in your body. So you, it, when, when it comes to coffee, oftentimes we kind of like get this lull after a while. Mm-hmm. It's called a caffeine crash. Whereas with green tea, because of the L-theanine, it kind of slowly simmers the caffeine release. So you don't have this like sudden dip, but you actually have a slow decline and you lose kind of like focus and energy from the caffeine. Hmm. So... Those are two drinks that uh, you could use. My favorite being green tea. So okay. if you're like Japanese tea, um, okay. matcha tea, like those are great drinks to have in the morning. Okay. Well, good. Right now I, I drink espresso, which I was off coffee for a while, but now I have an espresso machine. And what I do is I, I just space out the espresso. So <laughs> instead of having like 200 milligrams of caffeine, it's like, uh, I think each packet is somewhere around 50 to 60. So you can kind of just, you just kind of space them out. <laughs> I, just, I just love the taste of it. Uh, interesting. Okay. So how about tools? I know you use a lot of different tools, a lot of different technology. What tool has been the, the best in terms of efficiency for you, keeping you efficient? And I'm thinking for, I guess, for, the, for our audience, right? So our audience is entrepreneurs. What would be a tool that most probably should or could be using that would make them more efficient? Yeah, there are two tools that I would recommend that everybody kind of get a can, kind of learn how to use effectively is uh-huh. one, your calendar, uh-huh. and then two, your task manager or to-do list. And the first one, I, the calendar is really the easiest to learn in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And it's just the whole idea of put all your appointments on there and anything time sensitive on there. So time blocking, as we talked about earlier, would be really useful to have to put on your calendar. Okay. If you can commit to just using your calendar and sticking to what's on there, you'll be way ahead than most people are. And so I like to use a digital calendar. So I use Google Calendar. And then on my Mac, I use BusyCal, which is my favorite app. And okay. on my iPhone, I have Fantastical, which is like the calendar app that works on top of Google Calendar. Uh, so those are calendar tools that I like to use. Yeah. And if you're somebody who can just commit to using a calendar, again, you'll be so much more productive. So the second tool then is a task manager. 
Now, task managers kind of come in different flavors and sophistication and mm -hmm. ease of use. So for most people, you probably want to keep it really simple. Some people want to use, you know, pen and paper. Some people want to use a whiteboard and sticky notes. Some people just use like the default reminders app. Um, I like to go really complex. Uh, I use a tool called OmniFocus, mm -hmm. which is a Mac app and also on the iPhone. That's my tool of choice because it has a lot of advanced features that I like. So for example, I can say, I want to have a deadline for a task, which most task managers have, but also I want to have a defer date. So that means that let's say, if I can't work on planning my winter vacation anytime soon, let's just say I want to look at this task two months from now. Mm -hmm. So if I put that defer date there, it can say, okay, remind me to show this to you in two months from now. So then I have it in my system. I know it's there. My brain is satisfied that it's there, but now I don't actually get to see it until two months from now. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the advanced features that it has. To me, I usually recommend that people start really simple and then as their needs grow, then change to more sophisticated task managers. So I usually wouldn't recommend, even though I'm using OmniFocus, and it's something I usually recommend my clients as well because they're a little bit more sophisticated mm -hmm. uh, on that scale. But uh, for most people, I would not recommend you jump into that right away because you'll probably be really frustrated, overwhelmed, and it's, it's kind of like if your first car is a Ferrari, yeah. it's, it looks cool, but you'll probably be overwhelmed with all the buttons and, and the way you should use it. So that's not how I would recommend you start. Okay. So you're going to build up to it. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> probably too advanced for me. So I've got to kind of change directions a little bit because I know some of the folks listening to this uh, have teams, um, either remote teams or you know physically uh, have teams right there working with them on their businesses. And most of the folks I work with and people you work with too are kind of efficiency nuts. Like they like to get more efficient and more effective. They read a lot. They learn a lot. They implement a lot of things. But their teams, and I've, I've done a number of surveys, their teams are usually much less efficient. Their teams are usually much less productive. But they're, but they're paying their teams, right? So they're paying them, and they know they're not very productive. So how do they, and I mean, if you have any ideas, how do they translate the efficiency they're learning to their teams to make their teams efficient? Yeah, there's actually a lot of ways to go about it. And as the business owner, I'm always trying to make my team more efficient as well. And uh -huh. there's a couple of quick thoughts that I have about this. One is I think regular training is essential to make sure that everybody's learning new things all the time. Mm -hmm. So we, for example, have a biweekly training schedule where every two weeks I or somebody else on my executive team will basically host a training session and teach like essential skills or some system or process that we have in the company that people might not know about, or maybe they do know about, but maybe they're not doing it the right way or there's some sort of inefficiency in the way people execute certain processes. Mm -hmm. So I always tell people, hey, you know, host a regular training session, do it at least every two weeks, if you can, once a week as well, to just educate people on your team. And the education is really the starting point there. And if you do that, you'll start to see compounding gains over time. People start to learn how to use certain keyboard shortcuts for the tools that they use. People start to notice that, oh, you know, they're making certain mistakes or people will learn actually new skills because of that. So continually educating them is really the first thing I would recommend. Mm -hmm. And as the business owner, as you know as well, as you start to grow, you become more of a coach towards your people. You have to now actually start coaching them and, and guiding them to learn and grow along the way. So just embracing that mindset of saying, hey, you know what? I'm not only the business owner, but I'm also a coach for my employees and for, for my team members. If you take that mindset, Whenever people come to you with problems or challenges, 
if you act like a coach, what you really should be doing is not giving them the answers right away, but really teach them on the spot, make them figure it out on the spot as well, how to solve these problems and how they should look at things and how to run certain processes. Mm -hmm. And so I think being a good coach is not only about giving, you know, it's not really about giving them the answers that they're looking for. It's really guiding them through that process so that they really learn and understand. So just adopting that mindset as well. And then the biggest win that we've had over the last couple of years, so we call the skills matrix. Mm -hmm. So what you do is you have your list of team members or employees on, on one side, and then you have the list of skills that you would like everybody to have on another side or okay. another um, access, I should say. And what you do then is, let's say, uh, you know, you list your essential skills that you want everybody to have. So maybe it's like copywriting, maybe it's to learn how to use a certain tool, mm -hmm. maybe it's, uh, you know, following a certain process. And so when you have these access laid out, then you start to color code them. So you would say red, yellow, green. So tan is red at this, green at that, and yellow at this. And if you do that for every single person, you start to see all the spots that are red, which means that people don't really know how to do. Mm -hmm. You see certain spots that are yellow, and you see certain spots that are green. And what that allows you to do is then to say, okay, I see a lot of reds in there. So those are areas that I need to train my team on. This is the education piece that they need to have so that uh, they can be trained up and be more cross-functional. So if you want your team to be more efficient, one of the biggest things you can do is to make it cross-functional. And I'm sure you've seen this before. If somebody on your team leaves, certain things just don't happen because that yeah. person is the only person who knows how to do it. Even if there's an SOP for it, Sometimes mm -hmm. people don't feel confident enough to follow the SOP. Sometimes people just feel hesitant taking over somebody else's, you know, kind of task or job that they have. But if you continuously train people on being cross-functional, what ends up happening is that if somebody leaves for, let's say, you know, to go on vacation or something, or somebody, you know, leaves the company, well, guess what? Because your team is cross-functional, you've trained them through that skills matrix to be yellow and green, ideally, for mm -hmm. the most part your team is going to stay productive and things are always going to be moving forward because everybody knows how to do most certain things. I think that's a, I mean, a lot of great ideas there. I was taking some notes as skill matrix. That's a great idea. And certainly I preach the idea of, you know, building systems, documenting your systems and cross training, but just understanding the skill sets of each person and trying to at least get them to a certain level of understanding so they can fill in the gaps. Most companies that are small, you know, when one employee leaves or one person leaves, you might've just lost, 10, 20, 30% of the knowledge bank of your entire business all at once. It's devastating. And that's why so many companies go out of business. And so I think that's a great way to diversify risk and to strengthen, you know, because people, you know, they get sick, they go on vacation, they have a baby, I mean, things happen. And so that's a great way to um, smooth things out and removing the, the high hills and the low values uh, valleys really does um, make you more efficient, right? It makes things more smooth. You don't have those issues. That's, that's cool. You had another really good idea in there, which was the idea of the owner being the, the coach and the trainer to the, to the team. And I think that a lot of owners, at least this is what I see, is they get so used to doing the task, doing the work. And then when they finally move beyond that, their role has shifted, it's changed. Now it is you know, more of the coach, more of the trainer, more of the leader. And uh, I mean, I've got a bookshelf behind me, but I was, I was working with this one client and I don't know if you have to told you the story or anyone the story, but she had a, a floor to ceiling bookshelf, probably 10 times bigger than what I have behind me, just, just enormous. 
And so, um, yeah, this was in, I think this was in Houston. So I'm flying there working with this client. I'm looking at the books. I'm like, oh, that's a great book. And that's a great book. And, you know, she and I are talking about um, her, her library and they were in a sales organization. And I, I was like, you know, your team must you know, love this resource. You know, they probably learned so many things, you know, no wonder your company's so good. And she's like, Josh, in the last 20 years, only once has one person asked to borrow a book one time. <laughs> and she's like, and she had 40 employees, right? And she, and she's like, and I always tell them, you know, whenever you want to borrow one, let me know. I'd be happy to buy more resources if you want more training. And that's, then it struck me that, you know, people like you and me and entrepreneurs, they invest in education, they invest in learning, they invest in growing, but your team probably doesn't. And they don't know that they even should. And so you really do have to kind of, you, you have to help them out. And that's one of the ways you're going to build ultimately loyalty with your team is, is you investing in them because they're, they're probably not going to invest in becoming more efficient or even know right. how. Right. Yeah. And if, if you don't have the funds to invest in that sense, at least invest in them using your own knowledge and time in them. And that's just as valuable, just as important. Uh, because if you're investing in yourself, and you're learning all these different things. Well, it's, it's valuable to also educate your team about that. And we actually have this thing called DNA transfer once a month where uh, I have like a session where I sit down with the whole team. And my way of preparing for this is literally to write down how do I think about X, Y, and Z? So I'm really teaching how to make decisions as if you were me. And what, ha what then happens over time is you create different types of efficiencies where now people can make decisions just like how you would do it. But again, this is not going to cost any money. This is not way you don't have to spend anything to really do this. Mm -hmm. but you really do have to sit down and commit to, you know, 45 minutes a month, which I think most people can commit to. And mm -hmm. to say, hey, you know what, let's do this DNA transfer thing. I'm going to teach once a month just how I look at things. So it could be topics like how I make decisions around uh, booking travel or taking vacations, how I make decisions around marketing, mm -hmm. how I make decisions around customer success or customer service, or how I think about design or whatever. And so if you did once a month, people start to pick up over time how you think about stuff. Mm -hmm. and then that frees up so much time because what you'll see is they start to now make decisions for you. And now they can also rationalize it and also explain to you why they came up with that decision. And once you start seeing that happening, it's just as an owner, you can't be more happy to see how people are making decisions, how you would do it as well. Yeah, I think that's, and you can't do that in a day, right? That takes an investment. I think all the things you're mentioning are kind of like, there's no short term like hack where you're just all of a sudden your team is super efficient. It's this, um, it's this, I guess, philosophy that it's important and then pursuing it long term and then having the long view with your team as well. That's cool. I like this idea of DNA transfer. We do something, and you're probably aware of it. It's called operating principles. Most of our audience is probably aware of it. It's similar but different. I like this DNA transfer thing. Is you writing down the principles at which you make decisions, you know, decisions about time, investment, customer service, and write them down so that they can kind of get a glimpse into your own brain. That's cool. Okay, I know we're getting kind of long here, but a few more quick questions. These are really good answers, Tan. Um, books. I was going to ask you about books. Any books you would recommend that are good for those who want to get more efficient and more productive? Any ones that really stand out to you? Yeah, there's a good book called Deep Work by Cal Newport that I really like that I usually recommend to most people. So that's a really good book. Really just understanding the value of focus and how you can become more focused over time. So 
that's one book I recommend. Uh, GTD or Getting Things Done by David Allen is a great book as well. It's very tactical, teaches you kind of like on a runway level what to do on a daily basis to execute your task and, and such. So those are two books I would recommend for most people. Okay. All right. So final question, what, you know, what would you recommend? Just kind of a final thought for anybody in the audience. And then where can people find more information about Asian, Asian efficiency and, um, I guess this is kind of three questions in one. And what should they, I mean, I know you guys have tons of great products uh, that you have uh, to become more efficient. What would be the best place for an entrepreneur to go if they want to be more efficient in their business? Yeah, so we have tons of courses, uh, online programs, and we've been kind of like doing this for the last seven years or so. And for entrepreneurs, it really comes down to where you are in your business. And one of the reasons we developed this productivity quiz is to kind of diagnose what your a level of focus should be because everybody has different challenges, whether you want to learn how to focus, manage your time better, build better habits in your life. There's all these different areas that you can improve, but everybody's a little different. So we developed this quiz called the productivity quiz. And if you take it, it takes less than three minutes, we'll kind of diagnose what you should be focusing on first. And you can go to asianefficiency.com. It's one word, asianefficiency.com. You'll see it right away. You'll see the quiz there. You can take it in less than three minutes. You'll know exactly what you need to focus on. Cool. Well, very good. Well, thanks, Dan. I really appreciate you, uh, you know, sharing your wisdom. Uh, lots of great ideas. Hopefully, those of you who are listening or watching this uh, or taking notes, I certainly did. And uh, Tan's been at this for a long time. And I mean, he's, he's an expert at this stuff. We've read a ton of books, interviewed a ton of folks. Yeah, hopefully you gained a lot. And hopefully you'll be more efficient after this podcast. Thanks again, Tan. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed the interview with Tan from Asian Efficiency. I know I did. I was taking notes along the way. Yeah, a lot of great stuff that I'm going to be applying to the coaching and consulting clients. I have uh, ideas on time blocking, ways to get more efficient, focus, setting boundaries, energy level. Uh, we really covered a lot of things in this interview. So hopefully you enjoyed. To find out more about the work Tan's doing, certainly go to asianefficiency.com. And if you're just now hearing about Work the System, this is the first podcast you listen to, uh, you can find out more information about uh, what I do and more about the Work the System method at workthesystem.com. And there you can download my business partner's best-selling book, Work the System, The Simple Mechanics of Making More and Working Less. So make sure to check that out. Uh, the book is available for free for download. And then stay tuned next week. We'll be releasing another interview, helping you learn the skills necessary to build a business that's more efficient, more systematic, so you can mechanically grow it and therefore work less and make more. All right, thanks, everybody. See you next week.